And the word from Proverbs this morning, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. The Bible is truly a gift containing much wisdom and great treasures for the living of our lives. About a week ago, I was just looking at the front page, and there was a, a num- there were a number of people who were in trouble in one area of their life or another. And in every situation, I could think of a proverb that had they applied it to their life at the time, they could have avoided the difficulty. The Bible's a great book of advice and treasure. But there are a couple problems, though, that come uh, along with it. The first is this, that there's much treasure in the Bible, but we haven't mined it. Uh, By and large, most of us are not aware of all that is in the Bible. So I hope that you have been this summer trying to read a chapter of Proverbs every day, and and I hope you're finding it helpful to your life. I I noticed a couple themes that came up this weekend when I was reading the last couple of chapters that I think are helpful, themes about pride and versus humility and uh, and the place of that arrogance will usually get you. It's just good help for the living of our lives. But a lot of us do not only not know what is in the Bible, a lot of things we think are in the Bible really aren't there as well. Uh, more than half of American Christians who are surveyed believe that God helps those who help themselves is in the Bible. A slightly smaller percentage believe to thine own self be true is in the Bible, and they simply aren't. So our first issue is we need to kind of know what's in uh, the Bible, or maybe even more than kind of know it. Thy word have I hidden in my heart, said the psalmist. And basically that means I've memorized it. I've memorized it, and so I know I won't sin against you. But there's another issue that comes with this wonderful gift of the Bible, and that is sometimes the passages are difficult to to interpret. Or sometimes well-meaning, faithful Christians just disagree on interpretations. I ran into this uh, last week. I was talking with a good friend who's in another denomination And quite simply, we don't agree with the passages about whether or not you can baptize children. Quite simply, we don't agree uh, on the passages that talk about the role of women uh, leadership in in the church. Now, these are not necessarily uh, destructive to our life. But there are some misinterpretations and misapplications of Scripture that become downright dangerous. Take the 18th and 19th century church in the southern part of the United States of America who were certainly convinced that the Bible supported slavery, that the Bible supported the enslavement of other people. They had taken Scripture, misinterpreted, and misused and applied it. It may happen in our world even today. If the abuses that are alleged in the sect in West Texas are actually true, uh, what we've learned is that those alleged abuses would come from a particular misapplication of Scripture a misinterpretation of what the Bible says. So Bible translation and interpretation is a very tricky but important thing. Why do I say this? Because I want to give you a heads up. We come today to Proverbs 22.6, and if ever there's a proverb that just looks straight up easy to interpret, it's this one. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old he won't depart from it. But this particular scripture is much more rich in interpretation and in possibilities than you and I have been led to imagine. And actually, the more narrowly we apply this passage, it actually works against what the passage 
is teaching. Let me give you some background. A new study from Baylor University's Institute on Religion finds this, that at a rate that is greater than ever before in our American history, children are not following their parents into the Christian faith at an alarming rate. Now, this is not to blame parents. You know, parents are doing the best they can. This is not to blame children. This is not to blame the culture. This is not to blame anyone. I simply say this because there is a possibility in Proverbs 22.6 that if we would apply it more carefully, that we may be able to at least make an inroad and start to turn the tide back around and help our children stay on the way in which we want them to go. Let me give you uh, two things that I think the Scripture teaches that we've missed in our normal applications and interpretations. Let's start with the very first word, train. That's, a, that's an accurate translation of Hebrew. It's the same root word that not only do you get uh, train, but you get uh, dedicate, inaugurate, initiate. They all come. I think, as I've told you before, Hebrew is a very poor language, so one word can mean a number of different uh, things. They don't have as many words as Winston Churchill had, for example. So they, this word can mean that. Uh, and in fact does. And so oftentimes what we get is we get this idea that we must start our children on, on a very tough training regimen and get them as, as, in as narrow category in as box as we can get it in, uh, fill their head with as much stuff as we can put in it, and, and they'll carry that through life. Well, that's not exactly what the rabbis have done with this passage. They noticed this, that the same root word that gives you train or initiate or inaugurate, also is a word that means rub on the gum. There is an, a practice in the Middle East that to initiate children to understand the sweetness of life, you take a date palm, you take dates, and you rub the juice on their gums, on their palate, and they get a sweet treat, and they come to understand some of the sweetness of life. When the rabbis looked at that was the same word that we get trained, and they noticed the psalm that said, taste and see that the Lord is good, and they noticed Psalm 119 where it further says that your word, God, is like honey to me. You know, by, they didn't have candy bars in the ancient Near East, you're probably aware. I mean, honey was as sweet as it got. It was the best treat you could, you could give. What they concluded was this, that our initiation our inauguration of our children should be in the sweetness and goodness of God. They should be taught not to be in terror of God, that if they don't do these things, they're going to wind up in a terrible place with terrible things uh, happening to them. Uh, yesterday I was on my way back home from Dallas with my wife, and we passed a church. It looked like a wonderful church. It was a parking lot. Uh, had the number of cars on it on Saturday. And the big sign out front said this, Repent or perish. And I told my wife, Boy, that's inviting. Let's stop. But that has been oftentimes the way people have applied Proverbs 22. And they've missed the sweetness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Teach your children that it's a wonderful thing to love God and to follow God and that God loves you. And as Jane pointed out, what God wants is for you to be who God wants you to be, the, the, the best that you can be. It's, it's not about rigidity. It's about, it's about an enticement. Uh, leading them into the, it's, it's, to the joys of God. I thought about this uh, the other day. Uh, you think Michael Phelps trains any? 
Thank you, Trains. Did you see that? His workout in the morning is, burns 4,000 calories. He trains. Do you think he trains because he's afraid of drowning? Think he trains so hard because he's afraid of the water? Now he finds a joy in competition. He obviously has found a home in the water. It, it fits. It feels natural. It, it must feel joyful and wonderful to him. Think Kobe Bryant likes to shoot the ball? I suspect he enjoys that, and it's probably not hard for him to go into a gym and spend extra hours tossing the ball toward the rim. It's not about terror. It's not about what will happen if you don't do these things. It's about the wonderful things that follow when you do these things. And we need somehow to help our children understand how much we love them and God loves them. And as they walk with God, it's a wonderful thing. It's not a terrible thing. It is something to be enjoyed. John 10, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life in abundance. That's a wonderful promise, but in the same chapter he said, now there's a, there's a thief out there that's going to want to steal that abundant life from you. And I know no better way for the evil one to steal abundant life for our children than to teach them that God is terrible, and if they don't get these things down, they're going to suffer for it. We want instead to rub the honey, let them know the goodness and love of God. That's one thing. There's another thing uh, in this passage that's richer, I think, than we've imagined. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, what way is that? Well, obviously implied is it's God's way. Deuteronomy 6 is very clear that you teach them the word of God and you teach them God's ways and you teach them God's value. But the way the Hebrew is worded, most every scholar agrees, uh, not 100%, but the majority of them, that it's train up a child in the way that he wants to go, in a way that the child is bent toward going, in a way that the, the direction that seems to fit who the child is. This is what Jane was teaching the children this morning. It's different than train up a child in the way you think he ought to go or she ought to go. Train up a child to be just exactly what you want them to be. It's not about that. It's about coming with God in a spirit of openness before the child to find out who God has made the child to be and lead the child in a godly way along that, uh, that direction. Who is the child a wanting to become is the way a friend of mine puts it. Dallas Willard is a wonderful metaphor, and, and he talks about uh, God's backyard. And I thought about this when my children were growing up. Uh, the youngest one could go out our backyard and find a swing set. He could go out and find a little plastic pool filled uh, with a couple inches of water. He could go out and find a lot of yard to walk in and a ball he could kick. And he could find a little Tykes basketball goal. Now, my preference was that he went over to the Little Tykes basketball goal. But it really didn't matter as long as he was in the backyard. We need to understand that God is a very large backyard. As long as we love and honor God, it's okay where our child, if they pick a different vocation than what we had in mind, if their activity is a little different than what we had in high school, that doesn't matter. If it's God-honoring, that's a pretty big yard. And if they're finding joy in it, if they're tasting the honey of God, that's the direction that we want to help them to go. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Who is the child wanting to become? In what directions is God leading this child? That's different. I, I come humbly before the child rather than say, child, you must do A, B, and C. But I see what God has already put in the heart of the child, and I nurture that along uh, the road that God 
has chosen for the child. Ellen Davis tells a wonderful story about this. She teaches the Old Testament Hebrew Bible at Duke. And talking about this passage, she said she had friends that were missionaries in Africa. And uh, they lived in a small village, wide open spaces around it. But, but the father decided to come back to the States and took a position teaching in a, a, a seminary in a city. And the six-year-old said, okay, I'll move, but only if we can have a house with a field. Well, strangely enough, the parents listened to their six-year-old. And they got less of a house than they might have in another place, but they got a lot more land for the child. As the child grew, became one who not only cared very much about the environment and worked to help in the environment, but he learned to form organically, and that became his business and his livelihood. They paid attention to where the child wanted to go, and they went with it because it was a God-honoring way. Charlie Shedd puts it this way. If your child's train is going anywhere in the vicinity that you can accept, get on board. If it's going anywhere near what you can accept and find God-honoring, get on board that train. Now, it is interesting to me that there are a minority of Jewish scholars who say that train up a child and the way he should go and or the way he's going and when he's old he won't depart from it is rather is meant rather ironic which mean, which is to say just let a child do whatever he wants and and basically you'll you'll reap that when they grow let them do whatever they want and and they'll be that way the rest of their lives uh, and so I want to remind you that 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 life with God is always like a river that flows best within boundaries or banks. Make sure the child, what they want is, is God-honoring. It doesn't hurt other people. It doesn't destroy. It, uh, uh, it doesn't puff up. But within that, then let their life flow. I think at the very least what we can say about this proverb is this. Whatever we do with our children and grandchildren today, We will see a harvest we will reap in the future.